Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's welcome aboard Jane Slater, NFL Network, uh, covers the Cowboys. She does a fantastic job. Hey, Jane, Mark Malusis and Andrew Bogish with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you got it, Jane. Uh, you know, let's start here. You know, talking up Tony Pollard. Let's start with Zeke. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's the big thing uh, because – that that team is really built around the running back that's now in Cabo uh, at his at his agent's house. Uh, I don't care what Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones have to say about Pollard or any other running back on that team. I mean, they know that they're not going to go where they want to go this year unless Elliott's on the field, right? They know that, but I think the bigger concern for them isn't so much where they're going to go this year. It's where's this team going to go three, four years down the line. And you know, as I've reported, their biggest issue is that Zeke's camp believes that he deserves a contract that is in line with Todd Gurley's. The Cowboys feel like Todd Gurley's contract was poorly structured. It was a bad deal. So they're trying to reset the market on that. And as it's been explained to me as recently as yesterday, the Cowboys feel like they have put a offer on the table not only for Zeke, but for Amari Cooper and Zach Prescott. They would put each one of them in the top five highest paid at their position. They feel good about them. In fact, it was characterized as generous offers. Um, but they are also comfortable with and prepared to play this season without all three on proven deals, if that's what it comes to. In other words, they're ready to do a deal if the sides get serious about it, but it still feels like all three are pretty far apart right now. Jane, what's the breakdown? Obviously, there's a real... Speaking of, of of Elliot in particular, there is a disconnect between what he wants and what they want to give him. But I would also think that he doesn't mind and they don't mind him kind of taking training camp off and saving all these reps and snaps for the regular season. So, I mean, there is kind of a positive nestled in whatever drama might actually exist here, right? That is correct. Uh, it would be fair to say that that was unexpected, that they want all of their guys in camp as Amari and Dakar and uh, you know, the Cabo thing, as it was explained to me, was not a good look. Uh, but they understand that it's a business deal. Um, I'm told they're trying to get a deal done. It's just the two sides aren't, especially on the Ezekiel Elliott situation, I was told that they're off on everything, as it applies to guaranteed money, as it applies to years. Um, and so until they can meet in the middle a little bit more, it sounds like they're okay um, doing this thing if they have to on a proven deal reminding all of us uh, when we've talked about this that Zeke, as well as Amari, as well as Dak, are still under contract. And Elliot has that deadline today about accruing a, a year of service, which then would delay unrestricted free agency. But I'm assuming because he assumes he'll sign something new in Dallas that that doesn't really matter, this deadline today, right? That is fair. And also keep in mind, because the fifth-year option, he could technically still try and accrue that unrestricted free agent year 
next year. This year just makes the more sense uh, if you're Zeke's team and you're looking for leverage. This is a year that you would do that as opposed to next year. But I agree with you, Andrew, in the sense that it feels like they are they believe that there will be a contract deal that could get done, which makes this deadline a little bit arbitrary, but still important if a deal doesn't get done. And that's where it gets a little complicated. Um, but you've got to think that they believe that Zeke will get something done and he wants to stay here in Dallas. So if they blow through this deadline, which is how it feels, it doesn't feel, and I've been given no indication that Ezekiel Elliott boarded a plane last night or he was staying in the California area and we expect him at camp today. That's not the expectation. Uh, the expectation is that Zeke is not going to be here. If Zeke does show up to camp, it's going to be closer to the start of the season. Jane, do you think he'll be there week one? Here's why I believe that he'll be here. And, and I always try to be careful as a reporter to get into speculation and my opinion. No, but, fair. but I would say that the one thing that I've brought up when I've been asked this question is how much money does Zeke have in the bank? Can he afford to miss games? I've got to think when you've missed six game checks already because of the suspension that you can't afford to miss games. Um, so that's where I feel like he's going to be here for week one. I, I believe he wants to be a good teammate. I believe he knows how good this team is. I believe he's used this period uh, as the leverage he needed to get a new deal done. But I've been shocked every step of the way on this, as I believe the Cowboys have, uh, when a lot of people uh, that I spoke with believed that he would be here for camp in the first place. So it's hard to say, uh, but I think when it comes down to money in the bank and what you can afford to skip out on. I just feel like with him still being on the steal, having missed those six game checks because of the suspension, it feels like he would need to show up to camp, that he would need to show up for games. You know, Jane, you mentioned in terms of, you know, the girly being a bad deal and, you know, the Cowboys are looking, you know, down the line, not necessarily just looking and focusing on 2019. I'm curious about the trust factor. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot when talking about the Cowboys, uh, we look at you know Cooper to a lesser extent, but when you compare Prescott and Elliott in terms of long-term commitments and financial packages, put the position aside, I get the sense they trust Prescott a lot more away from the football field. And how could you not as compared to trusting Elliott? It's hard to characterize that for sure. I think all of us that have been following the Zeke storylines, certainly that's how that's – how I think a lot of sensible people would view, that, view this, but I will tell you in my private discussions with the Cowboys, they speak as highly of Zeke as they do about Dak as, okay. they, do, as they do about Amari. Now, look, that could be what they're saying to a reporter if you want to be a critical thinker and say, of course, they've got concerns. A sensible person would. Uh, but in all my conversations with, with the Cowboys, I've been given no indication that it's the off-the-field stuff necessarily that's holding this thing up. It's the Todd Gurley stuff. And, and again, I want to be clear, it's not they don't believe Todd Gurley's a good running back or that they wouldn't love to have a guy like Todd Gurley on their roster. And I, I love how that statement infuriated so many Rams fans that never actually listened to what I said. <laughs> it was the way the deal was structured and the way the numbers were set that the Cowboys are having a hard time stomaching and trying to reset. Um, so I just want to make that abundantly clear. They just don't believe that that deal was a good deal. And so they are trying to avoid that in their discussions with Zeke and in getting 
a deal done with, with him. I think what's been fascinating about the whole thing is people have long knocked the Cowboys. I've covered this team since 2011. People have long knocked the Cowboys for the fact that they overpaid players. They held on to players for too long. And now it seems like they're trying to exercise some prudence in their discussions, and people are all of a sudden furious about the deal. It's not that the Cowboys, and again, this is I've had a number of conversations with several people in this organization about these three contracts. It's not that they don't want to get these deals done. They just don't want to be record setters. They don't want to break the bank, and they feel like the offers are generous on the table and put all three of them in the position of top five highest paid at their positions. So, Jane, what is the uh, number two most important story in Cowboy camp right now, aside from these three guys? Great question. Um, I would say the most important story so far, the one that we focused on the most, isn't so much the contract of Dak, but Dak's development this offseason. You know, the biggest knock on on Dak that I see all of it covering the Cowboys is he doesn't deserve the contract. Um, say what you will, you've got to, you know, obviously look at Carson Wentz's deal, what he made, you know, that is where the jump off numbers are with Dak. But I think the most important thing is that there has been, I mean, you can see it, it's the eyeball test. There has been a marked improvement in Dak Prescott's accuracy and his footwork on this timing with his receivers this off season. I really believe that that stems from the addition of John Kitten and Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore, of course, an offensive coordinator that we all sort of privately laughed about. You know, of all the guys that Jerry could have brought in, you bring in the guy that was Tony Romo's backup, you know, when Dak Prescott was a rookie and the fourth stringer on this roster. A guy named Jamil Shanworth, who now plays on defense, was ahead of Dak Prescott, and you want to give him 30 plus million dollars a year. It's because of the way he galvanizes the team. It's the respect that he commanded his rookie season when Tony Romo came back healthy and ready to go, and the Cowboys wouldn't even let him compete for his job, which was, again, fascinating to watch when I go back there, my first year NFL Network covering that. Um, But just seeing Dak's development, there has been an improvement. We're seeing it. You can see the accuracy change. So that's a storyline we've been really been keeping an eye on. And I think I'm continuing to watch this Zach Martin situation. You know, once the best offensive line in football and still a lot of great guys on this line. You've created a lot of depth now because you've seen Tyron Smith have to miss games last year. You saw Travis Frederick um, miss the season because of Ian Beret. They've got some depth behind them. Zach Martin, of course, we're sort of monitoring his situation after the MRI. They, they feel like he's okay, but it's my understanding they're sort of keeping an eye on it. Um, so that's something I'm keeping an eye on heading into camp. I don't expect him practicing today, et cetera. Um, I think they're going to be careful with him, put him in a little bubble or at the head of the season, um, as they've done with Tyron Smith and guys like Sean Lee in the past. These veteran days get their days off. I think that's been a good thing. Um, but, you know, Zach Martin got paid last year. You know, yeah. what does this mean? So keeping an eye on the health of the line is something else I'm watching. You know, Jane, how does how does Witten look a year in the broadcast booth after a year in the broadcast booth? Shockingly younger. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, when that got announced at Combine, I remember reaching out to a couple of my sources. The building was split on this, quite frankly. You know, if you remember Blake Jarwin and the Giants regular season finale had three touchdowns. Um, he looked sharp. It felt like the offense, as it was described to me, they had 
sort of started collaborating without Scott Linehan in that final game. They wanted to see what, what life looked like without him. You know, he had moved up to the booth a couple of weeks before off from the sidelines, and they started utilizing Blake Jarwin at tight end. Uh, all of a sudden, this offense wasn't that predictable, and they liked what they saw from him. And so this notion that Witten was coming back, a guy who never came off the football field, uh, there was concern that that was going to stunt the development of the younger guys. But I would say that Witten has come back re-energized, as he described it to me. This is a show-me league. He feels humbled. Um, he feels more appreciative of the second you know, chance. He feels conditioned. I remember going up there with Scott Hansen, one of my colleagues. He happened to be in Dallas and called me up and said, hey, Slater, I know it's your day off. Do you want to go up to the star in Frisco? And I said, of course, that's exactly what I want to do on my day with Scott. <laughs> but we went up there, and there at the training table in the cafeteria was Jason Witten with his iPad, the playbook, with the players. And this was early March. And I thought that was fascinating. It showed that he was ready to get that to work. Um, and he just, he does feel energized. He's back to barking to the players in a constructive way to the coaches. He never stops talking. Um, he's always got input and he just seems genuinely excited to be back, but he just feels younger. I can't explain why, um, but he feels younger and that's not me selling anything to you. That's been several people's observations. So with that being said, you know, I've noticed that Jarwin's kind of kicked it up a little bit. So the competition has been good. And I think that's what we're finally seeing on this team with the Cowboys is some competition in a couple of spots. Jane, besides uh, us bothering you at 5.30 local time and angry Todd <laughs> yeah, Gurley right. fans, uh, is this the best training camp assignment in the NFL, the Cowboys and Oxnard? Oh. Hands down. I mean, I cover the Saints, too, and this is no knock on the Saints or Metairie, but it's just a little bit different. A little less <laughs> human. <laughs> Right, you don't mind getting up at 5.30 in the morning in Oxnard, California, it's right? Like, what, 60 degrees is a breeze, beautiful? Yes, yeah. I mean, literally, there are worse assignments. This is my fourth training camp. I don't take it for granted. It is called the glamour beat for a reason. <laughs> uh, Jane Slater covers the Cowboys for the NFL Network. Hey, Jane, we appreciate you getting up early for us. Uh, have a good day at camp today, and uh, hopefully we can get you on again real soon. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.